Thank you for listening to Unapologetically Canadian. Please consider supporting our podcast for $2.99 a month. Join select listeners and get additional episodes every month. And so today, well, we're here because we're talking about creative entrepreneurship. And um, I am so excited because we met through the Lyft conference. We just finished, uh, well, when this podcast go, lo, goes live, it will have been about six weeks ago. And uh, so we were both in the um, Canadian section. And so then I was like, oh, I'd love to interview you for my podcast. Um, can you tell people what you do? You're in the health sector. Well, I'm a German trained but retired MD and ND. So I was a physician and naturopath in Germany. And then I came to Canada and I had a very bad fall. I was very depressed, ended up in the mental hospital for a while, tried to kill myself. So uh, there's a story there. And I tell it on my website. Uh, and uh, then I struggled for about 10 years. In the meantime, I met my now husband, which is a wonderful person. And he went with me to thick and thin for now, 23 years, close on. And uh, I, at some point, I decided that that was not a life for me to be stay depressed and a victim of my circumstances and not being able to work as a doctor. So I said, how can I fulfill my passion and do what I really want to do in life, which always was helping people? So I got creative and uh, looked what's there, and I decided to become a coach. First, I took a health coaching program. It was the closest to what I learned, and I decided, hmm, yeah, okay, just put it out there and people will come. Well, which is a big mistake, as uh, all entrepreneurs know, because once you put it out there and you think you can help everybody, yes, you can help everybody, but that doesn't work because nobody will feel uh, uh, addressed. So in the end, I ended up being bankrupt oh, no. and had to reinvent myself. So I, I know the ups and downs. And I actually am grateful for the Canadian system that allows us to declare bankruptcy. In Germany, it is impossible. You end up with your debts. Oh, until. Okay. So they only allow you an amount of income to remain if you have large debts. Uh, it's about on the social assistance level. Right. So that is hard for many people there. And I'm grateful that the Canadian system allows personal bankruptcy that helps people get out of debt and start over. So that's what I did. And uh, I reinvented myself, my business. And I'm actually just started uh, with my own business partner, a great uh, coach in training and a very strategic gentleman. And as Doc Christine we help people start living the best life they can and start living their best life, help people out of the darkness, out of their depression and anxiety and mental health rut and be kind of the lighthouse at the, that they see through the fog and they know there is a way out and it helps them in their search. And we, help them by giving them a little bit of a direction and guiding them along the way, lifting them up, helping them out of the rut and the wagon. When they fall off the bandwagon, they start back again. I, and, and that is so rewarding to see people change. Wow. And so how long have you been doing that then? And where are you located? 
I'm located in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but of course, uh, all I do is online. Nowadays, COVID, everything <laughs> is going online. I love technology. I'm lucky that way. I always was a coach, even when I was a doctor, because my tenant always was, the patient is at the center. The client is at the center. It's their life, their responsibility. It's their decision what happens with them. Right. Yes, they need proper information. They need guidance sometimes. They need somebody to help them. But it's always the client that's at the center. It's not, you can't delegate your responsibility in life to be your own person, to the best doctor, to the best whatever. It just doesn't, it's not good. It doesn't work. Now, I know when you're working with um, such deep um issues with people, it can be a little bit difficult talking about uh, some of the people who help because you can't be you can't be specific. But can you give us um, an idea of maybe one of the success stories of some of the of, of, of some of the people that you work with and, uh, and what happened in a general sense? Yes, and uh, a typical person that I help comes to me and they often are couch surfing or they can't get out of bed. They may be still working, but they are generally unhappy, anxious, and I'm not sure what they want to do. And sometimes they really lost themselves. And I'm thinking of a gentleman. I love coaching men. They are very receptive and there's very few mental health services that specifically address men. And what I do first is I do a thorough assessment. So that's what I did with that client. And I found out he needed certain supplements to be healthy. And then I recommend a strategy. I do a health life strategy around the five dimensions of life, which are physical health. They have to work on their nutrition, physical fitness, and other aspects of the body health. I review medications, illnesses, and have clues what's missing and what may need to be added or substituted or further investigated. So we did a few additional tests and changed some supplementation, and he started to feel more energy. And that allowed him to address more issues that we addressed in the psychological, emotional part, spiritual part, and uh, then the social and relationship and financial parts at all. So at all the points, it is always, we are there. You make the decision. And he decided, after the tests and the supplements were there, to do a lot of research. And many clients, they go on Google, sample everything, take courses, read books, and that is so helpful. And they say, okay, I want to eat so-and-so. And then they do it. And after two or three days, they fall off the bandwagon. We all do that. Yeah. And then next coaching session, how are you doing with it? Well, kind of stopped it. Okay, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up over it. Tomorrow's another day. And the more often you try something that you know you need to do, the more often you do it for longer and the more uh, your chances of eventually actually changing those habits. Because nobody changes the habits just by 
making the decision today I'm going on the diet or even preferably January 1st so I can eat everything I want before, <laughs> gain 20 pounds, and then in January 1st I'm going on a diet and I'm losing 20 pounds. <laughs> that's what most of us do. That's what I did. I was 315 pounds myself. So that's why I'm using that example. <laughs> so, what works is actually slowly changing your diet more and more, and eventually you end up with a lifestyle that supports a healthy weight. Right, right. Yeah. And, and those are the little changes, and it takes time. It, when somebody tells you, oh, in 30 days you have a rippled body, <laughs> you'll be healthy, you'll be happy, it's a lie. And people know that more and more. So we just try to go with them, and be their guiding post, kind of the lighthouse that they look for in the fog. So do you have um, courses? Do you have, is it a coaching session that they pay for by the, um, by a period of time? Uh, what, how do you offer your services? That's a very good question. Thank you. We offer, of course, individual sessions for those that want it. Uh, we offer a whole program that includes a course and hybrid session, a course that means to include group coaching session and individual session because everybody needs at least four individual sessions to be successful. And then group coaching session is enough for some. And they can always ask for an additional individual session. But for those that want to be very private, we offer a complete individual program that includes also course materials and additional materials of course it's the, the group coaching program has the advantage it's of course it's cheaper it's right. more more and some people aren't really financial problem and they sometimes invest in things that don't give them what they need and so can you talk a little bit about um uh, success that you're really proud of i'm really proud of those clients or those people generally, whether they're clients or not, that make the decision for change and then go on the search to find the person that can work with them or those people that can work with them and guide them along the way to recovery from whatever ails them. I'm so proud that my greatest success is seeing somebody that was stuck in the victim rut, make the decision that they want to live a better life and then actually go for it. And when you look five years later, 10 years later at the same person and see somebody that was unable to work on their mother's couch, being successful in whatever career they choose, hey, that is reward. <laughs> yeah, now that can be really... And can you talk a little bit about... Um, uh, what has happened like over time as you've built your business? Because you've been doing this now for how long? I've been building my business now for five years. Okay. And I made so many mistakes. <laughs> well, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't good as an entrepreneur. In Germany, it was easy. As a doctor, you hang your sign out there and people flock. And I, in two years, I had the biggest dermatology, allergology and family practice in the area. And I had a wait list. Okay, I thought, in Canada, works the same. I'm an entrepreneur. Oops, boom. Um, not true. Uh, so I had to change. 
my marketing message had to change. I had to learn new things. I'm still learning new things and I'm enjoying every moment. Right. And the biggest messages I learned is, number one, you can't be everything to everybody. People that don't want to change will never change. <laughs> and it doesn't make sense to lecture them on what they should do because they don't want to change. So, okay. And number three, you never learn out. It's always good to explore new things and live your truth. Be who you really are in every interaction with people. Don't try to put up, oh, I'm the successful entrepreneur facade. Those who are real will look through it. And those who work with you after a while will know it's all not true. Yeah, exactly. No, so that... I'm a struggling entrepreneur. Yes, I know what I'm doing. I'm good at what I'm doing. But the financial success is still waiting for me. I know it is. It's fine. I'm happy with the place I'm in. And I'm just loving my people that I coach through everything I do. <laughs> that's, a lo that's a lovely. Can you talk a little bit about how your life is because of what you do as work? That's an interesting question because my husband sometimes is not very happy with me uh, sitting <laughs> on in the office, which is in the home, for about five to seven hours a day and doing a lot on the computer. And sometimes he doesn't understand what I'm doing. He's a lovely person, but he doesn't understand business. And uh, sometimes he says, you're playing on the computer again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he starts to realize that I truly help people. And he is fully supportive. So what changed? Because in five years, I'm sure your business has changed significantly. Like, What do you think made that easier on the two of you? Uh, what made it easier is, number one, that I changed. And uh, after the bankruptcy, our marriage nearly failed, which is not un unusual. No. The bankruptcy and was how long ago? That was two and a half years ago. Wow, okay. So it's still kind of fresh, too. It's still kind of fresh. But we worked through it, and we came out stronger than before. And I'm still in the process of building financial trust with him, but I know the business right now supports itself, which is great. Right. <laughs> so it's no longer just a hobby, which is nice. But I don't see it so much a business as a mission to help others. In the end, it doesn't matter to me if I make actually money with what I'm doing. I want to support the systems I need, like I need Zoom calls, I need some business software and a computer to work. But I do not want to make more money than what I need. Yeah. I want to support our modest lifestyle, which we live in a two-bedroom mobile home. It's all we need. We don't need a fancy house on the beach. Sorry, we can make a vacation on the beach if that's what we want to do. I want to bring the message of hope to as many people as I can. And I want to make money with the business to employ others 
bring my services for free to those who can't afford it yet because they haven't been through their own process of recovery and help those that really need it and want it. And that so is my purpose and, and mission. And I care for people. I love people. And when I live that comfortable but simple life that I'm living now, that's all I want. Ah. And so um, you said that you have a partner in your business. And um, so how are you? How have you changed your operations? And, and how are you operating now in terms of getting clients and uh, working forward? That's really an interesting question about the business itself. Uh, what will be changing and is changing is that he needs to support his lifestyle and his mother too. So I, I and uh, he wants to have an additional education. And I said to him, I have no issue when our business is growing to support all those goals. Yeah. Whether the uh, the 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 profit split is. 50-50 or not, I don't care because what I want is you to have what you need, I to have what you what I need and our clients have even more than what they need <laughs> and all of us to live a reasonably comfortable, modest, happy life. That's all we need. I mean, we don't need fancy stuff to live, be happy. We lived in a 3,000 square foot home with chickens, which was lovely. We had chickens and our own eggs, but it was a lot of work. We are getting older. We don't want to have all that work. We don't need a big house. And even if I had millions, I don't think I would be having a big property at the beach with a fancy house, 20 employees, well, maybe employees to help them out. <laughs> but I don't need that kind of lifestyle. And that's important for people to realize and think they're attached to their things. Oh, I can't let go of that. We downsized from the big house to this one in four weeks. In four weeks? Wow. We let go of five sheds and about 2,000 square feet of stuff. Wow. That was a big struggle, eh? It wasn't a struggle. It uh -huh. was a relief. Is that we got rid of the stuff that was weighing us down? Stuff is weighing you down. You don't realize it. How much stuff can weigh you down? And I constantly review my wardrobe now. Not so much because we don't have the space, but what didn't I wear that in the last year? Will I ever wear that again? Goes. Somebody can use it yeah. if it's good. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting because uh, I'm a gardener, so I tend to uh, collect things for it to be used. <laughs> I love to garden. We uh, have a uh, garden still here. We have a few things, but... Uh, but every now and then you have to do that spring cleaning and just clear things out. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> and I've started doing webinars and one of my friends and we were clients for each other. She does decluttering your space and your life. Ah, okay. Well, that's and a good combination. She'll do a with webinar with me in uh, June, I think. Ah, okay. June or July. And uh, she is a very interesting person. She coaches especially ADH people 
which many of us are because we deorganized, de disorganized. Right. And so she's a great organizer. So I'm looking forward to that. And she helped me organize my workspace. And uh, I do that periodically and throw out old, old notes that I guaranteed will not read again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... Well, um, wow, that's really interesting. Um, so you talked about, I mean, the bankruptcy, I guess, is your, do you consider it your biggest failure? Or do you have something else that you consider as a failure? Or was that? No, I wouldn't say the bankruptcy itself. My biggest failure in my life was probably to lie to my husband about having so much debt that I made. Ah. until I was forced to go bankrupt. Wow. And that was worse than the bankruptcy itself. I'm sure. So everybody that does that and thinks, oh, yeah, next month I'll have the money to pay it all off. I don't need to tell them. Not a good idea. Right. Even if they know it, the partner will be angry, mad at them or go away. Eventually, it will come out and it will be worse than it would have been had you told them earlier. Right, right. Wow, that's a big lesson. Yeah, partnerships. I mean, a marriage is a partnership. So if you're going to be Any hard, anything from your partner. Whether it's a marriage, common law, partnership, same thing. Yeah. Between men, women, same thing. The issues are all the same between people. Yeah, yeah. Even between families, sisters, brothers, it's similar issues. Wow. So what, what did you learn from all of that um, that you've been able to take over into your business? I took over a big lesson in relationships. Ah. And I, of course, researched that. I'm scientific researcher by love and uh, education. And I love science. If it is, if it makes sense. Because I also love Judge Judy. She always said, <laughs> Judge Judy. if it doesn't make sense, it's not true. That applies to science also. There's a lot out of there that's not true. Because scientists are people. And scientists are influenced by what their bosses or whoever pays them expect of them to do and the results to be. And I know that from personal experience in science and doing research. Oh, that's interesting. So you're, um, so you I had to falsify results because of pressure that if I wouldn't do it, I would lose my job. Wow. That's tough. That was very tough. And I still think it wasn't right for me to do it. But I know that was an interesting experience because I know there's more of it out there. Oh, I'm sure you're not the only person that has uh, succumbed to it's pretty hard to do the right thing when you're paid to do the wrong thing. That's exactly it. The right thing to do is to walk out yeah. and say, I'm not doing it. Yeah. But if you have a young family, what do you do? Yeah. It's tough. Rock in a hard place for sure. Yeah. And I understand people that do it, and I respect people that later say, don't believe that science, I falsified it myself. If it's wow. significant, it's important to come out with it. 
yeah, but then again, how do you get people to come out with it when they are encouraged not to? As long as they are still dependent on the payee or in that community where their reputation is everything, they can't. Wow. Well, yeah, that that's a challenge. That's a big challenge. And if I was still in Germany working as a physician, I would never say that. Wow. Oh, now, when did you leave Germany? I... 1997. 1997. You came to Canada. Were you in Halifax right from the beginning? I was. My ex actually and I decided to come to Halifax because it was close to Germany. It, it has a nice climate in Canada. And uh, we bought a property down in Digby. It was a beautiful piece of property with woods and the lake in it and then we decided to immigrate. And then he decided, to, when we had the immigration paper, he decided to commit suicide. So <laughs> I wow. was left with the two boys. They were teenagers till then in the immigration papers. So I talked to the boys and said, hey, let's go to Canada. So that's what we did. And it was the best decision in my life because I love Canada. I'm a Canadian by now. Then it was very hard because I knew nobody. And that's why I ended up in the hospital because, and tried to kill myself because I was so isolated, so shy. People that know me now can't believe that I was a very shy and introverted person. And what about I didn't even want to pick up the phone because I was so afraid to bother anybody. Wow. And what about the two boys? Are they still uh, in Halifax too? Oh, no, no. Uh, one went back to Germany. And he has now six kids, four from his first wife and two are my grandchildren. And the other boy, he's in England, very successful businessman and has my first grandchild there. Well, not my first, but his first. Oh, exciting. Wow. That's so, congratulations. <laughs> so I'm a three-time grandmother. I'm sure you are too a grandmother. I am not actually. My kids oh. don't have. My kids are older, but they don't. They're twenty-one and twenty-six, but they. Uh, oh, they're they not don't young. They're still yet. young. Mine are thirty-nine <laughs> and forty. Ah, okay. I'm a little older, although my hair's dark. It will turn white soon, I think. I don't know. My mother's ninety-one, and her hair's still dark, but she now started to uh, color it. Ah, at ninety-one, isn't that? No, cool? she started, I think, in her sixties. So I'm sh shortly starting. <laughs> no, I don't it's think my hair is not gray enough. I, I, I want to try let it just gray out and bear it with dignity. Because yeah, I yeah. think it looks kind of funny when an older person suddenly has dark hair. It doesn't look right. Well, I think people can do what they want. But <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I like to go I like to go all gray. I'm actually uh, quite happy with the natural gray. Yeah, I, you look highlights great from God. <laughs> you look great at it. So, but and some um, people are born with white hair by nature, the albinos, and they just have white hair, and that's fine. And my son has red hair, and he loses them all, and he's okay with it. Okay. <laughs> um, that leads to the last question, which is it can, can links to the Canadian, and because uh, you were just saying that you are a Canadian now, yes. um, can you tell me what that means to you? Yeah, I decided to be a Canadian after being in Canada for about seven or eight years. And I decided to become a Canadian because I got immersed in the Canadian culture. I'm married to a Canadian and uh, I love the multicultural 
experiment that Canada is. <laughs> it's a I call it experiment because it, there's clashes, there's political correctness that is sometimes a little overdone. And uh, it is still a good good society to live in. It is uh, People are very kind usually, but as always, you look for the kind people, you find the kind people. You be kind, you meet kind people. You be nasty, well, you will be met with nasty people. <laughs> yeah, there's it's that's the, the old story of the ferryman that uh, takes people across uh, the, the the river, and one guy comes and says, "Well, how are the people on the other side of the river?" And the ferryman asks him, "Well, how were the people at uh, where you came from?" And he says, "Oh, they were nasty and mean and lying to each other." Well, he said, you'll find that on the other side of the river, they're very much the same. And then there was another person that came and asked the same question, ferryman, how are the people on the other way of the river? And he asked them the same question. What do you think? How are the people where you came from? And he said, oh, they are lovely, kind, loving, caring for each other. And he smiled and said, well, you'll find on the other side of the river, they're very much the same. <laughs> Isn't that a great um, girl of the story? That is a lovely story. <laughs> um, and uh, was there anything that I didn't ask you that you were hoping to talk about? No, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm always happy to talk to people and I'm very happy to meet people. And yes, it's a podcast and I want to encourage people to go to my website, doccristine.com, D-O-C-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E.com. And I offer uh, a free uh, coffee chat where you can meet me in my kitchen over a cup of coffee, tea, or a drink of your choice. And so it's an informal chat. And uh, we'll talk about how you are doing. I'm not so much talking about myself like I did today. <laughs> and, and then you can decide whether I may be the person to work with you or not. That's completely fine. Okay, and I will put that uh, link in our show notes too. Thank you very much, Christine. It was great. Thank you so uh, much, Tracy. It was so much fun to meet you. Same here. My name is Tracy Ariel, and I am unapologetically Canadian. Mm -hmm.